0: On today's episode, sophomore Ian DeHaven chats about caring for yourself, honesty, and the real work done at the Wellness Center. So welcome back to our next episode of the Ways to Flourish podcast. We're here today with Ian DeHaven. So what are you studying here, Ian?
1: I'm studying international relations here. Very excited about it. It's not technically government, but, you know, I've been on the edge of my seat. So, it, you know, it's good to think about wellness from time to time.
0: What led you down that path?
1: You know, I was one of those freshmen that was like, I came here with a bunch of credits and I'm going to declare really early. So I am a sophomore now, but I really like the coursework. I just think it's so interdisciplinary that I can go into a whole bunch of areas with it. So it's just engaging.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the climate of Wyoming in general for you. What's that experience been like?
1: The way I expected William & Mary to be versus how it actually is, like, very different in my mind. I know when I applied to William & Mary and then got in, I had friends, you know, they would rib me. And they were like, are you worried about being stressed all the time? And I was like, no. You know, I didn't, you know, nobody wants to be stressed all the time. It just is an unfortunate reality. But when I got to William & Mary, the orientation program was designed to try and work people in and, like, tease you out of that you know, I'm trying to perform at college. I'm trying to be as cool as possible and win people over because it's not a blank slate. And I don't think I appreciated that until we got to orientation and it was very humanizing to try and meet everybody where they were rather than tear it off like, hi, I'm Ian DeHaven.
0: You said that your friends expected for you to be stressed. You're not experiencing that so much right now.
1: It depends. (laughs) You know, like right now, I, I feel pretty good. But you know, there are things that I can do pretty much all the time. But I try not to get too beat up about school. Because I know the standards are pretty high in college already.
0: It sounds like you've really been able to navigate that sense of harmony between like your academics and finding those times for pause.
1: Yeah, I took the flourishing class with Kelly Grace. And I'm not as adherent as I perhaps could be. But I think about it being honest about my energy and my expectations And sometimes that means I'll go to the student exchange and binge Sour Skittles or, you know, buy coffee. Like I get eight hours of sleep. I'm like, yeah, you know, I really want the double shot espresso. But just understanding that there are ways you can control your life, that you still have agency and like realizing them in a way that makes you feel good.
0: You have some experiences with the William & Mary Counseling Center. Tell us a little bit about why you wanted to bring your voice here and talk about that experience.
1: What was interesting to me about this podcast when I heard about it was the idea of talking about my experience at the Wellness Center. I mean, it just synced up perfectly with how I was feeling. I know before I started doing counseling, it was very easy to get in the box about Everything else, like on or off campus, maybe that had followed me, maybe that had started here. I mean, the world is full of pressures. And I think my instinct has always been to buckle down. But because of campus culture and then interacting with Kelly Krace like I did and other like pivotal moments, I learned to appreciate the strength of being able to ask for help. And I think that that is a voice or perspective that can get drowned out sometimes. Even now, I kind of cringe when I hear the word therapist. I would rather go to a counselor, a coach. I mean, I think our culture is ascribed like a debilitating quality to it. It's like, oh, you should go to therapy, right? And it's usually a punchline more so than an earnest suggestion. But I mean, I think people could really benefit from the non judgmental space.
0: What was the attitude that you had originally approaching that? Were you pretty open to it? Or did you have concerns about the stigma that you felt like might have been attached with the labels of the process?
1: I mean, stigma and labels are the name of the game. I think it's hard to get people into that room sometimes, especially because if you are like emotionally avoidant and you don't want to square with your problems, then nobody can force you to. But I know when I started at the Wellness Center... I won't say that they just heaped on hard conversations, but it's like, if you want to get something done, you have to start somewhere. Like somebody has to do the emotional lifting. And I learned over and over again, that it had to be me, but somebody stepping in and like adjudicating the process is more than beneficial. I think it's essential. I'm a romantic. I like to think of it more as it's like you're taking steps for the work of a lifetime. I listened to some other podcast and it was talking about giving birth to yourself. I got my air quotes up and it's like it's a process that is never complete. So in that context, I think it's a lot easier for me to come in and say, OK, I want to get to work. You know, I want to build up to be able to bloom, flourish, and it won't happen if I tear myself down or beat myself up.
0: And for you, what was it to make that initial spark? What was the motivational factor for you to get yourself into the wellness center?
1: I think somebody finally just, you know, grabbed me by the shoulders and was like, you need to take care of yourself. It's not happening. You know, my tendency, I guess, is when I feel stressed, I get isolated so add that with coronavirus and it's a recipe for, I don't know, a socially responsible disaster maybe. So it's like, while I'm not spreading the disease, like I'm just cooped up looking at the drywall on the computer screen until my eyes fall out, which, I mean, it just doesn't work. Well, I can tell when I'm not respecting how I feel and my mental health because it'll come to a point and then, you know, you just gush like you cry and that is... If I'm worried about being productive in school, spending the day crying is lethal. (laughs) You know, you got to be more proactive than like, okay, you know, that's the weekly just vent.
0: When you started that process, what really started to shift? You said that you started to realize the way that you were responding to your stress and in isolation. What is it that made you realize you needed to care for yourself in a different way?
1: I guess the realization was I was told that I am an expert at compartmentalization. Like, I don't know if it's a like a talent, right? But I could be just crying, upset. And over years and years of like, I don't know what you want to blame for it. Just conditioning. You know, you can pull it together. Make sure your throat isn't choked because sometimes you have to say things. Just lots of hard truths. And I guess dealing with that. I was always very cerebral. I look to try and connect dots, but the dots aren't always there, you know, and you can't live hoping for somebody or anybody else to give you closure. So you have to allow yourself to begin that process and understand that you won't always understand.
0: Tell us, what is this mask off honesty that you brought up to us before?
1: Mask off honesty, though, (laughs) you know, don't take it so literally, right? Is not on message for coronavirus, but I think that idea is there are a lot of spaces that I interact in on campus, even now, where it's hard to uphold my commitment to my schoolwork while being honest to myself. And I don't want an excuse, but I think that if the wellness center and like wellness in general weren't so stigmatized, it would be easier to have these discussions and say, I am not performing 100% right now. You know, I am not a star. You have to be able to realize, you know, you don't always need to be a star. Like there's a song by AHA. It's like the sun always shines on TV. And I think about that. It's just like there are a lot of places that people can go and act on this campus. And it's all appearances. Like if you want to look like a hard worker, then you can, you know, look and be a hard worker. But whether you actually identify like that. Whether that's actually true to who you are is a different story. I think that the environment we're in creates a glorification of stress, creates a, like, I am doing so well like never before, but it's just not always there.
0: Why do you think we're so stigmatized?
1: I mean, it's hard if you want, like, a more rational answer. There have just been years and years and years in the United States that I can think of where people that are struggling mentally, it's like a sickness. It's damning. You know, you're condemned to it. There's nothing that can be done. You know, you send somebody to an asylum and they stay there out of sight. It's always been very, like, hush-hush quiet. And like I'm thinking about 1950s, 60s, that's still so recent that we're living with that. And now I'm fortunate to have resources like the Wellness Center in order to come in and talk and have somebody that I can filter my experiences through them and it's unbiased. And I mean, it's nice getaway. You no,
0: know, destigmatizing wellness on the community. What do you think is the best approach for us to do that? How do we work to shift that culture?
1: I think. We're already in a place that wants you to do as best as you can in order to change the culture. It will require redefinition of doing the best you can. Out of the eight dimensions of wellness, that is a good step. I think that there need to be more mental health champions on campus. I, I like the idea of the podcast like this because I was impressed that, you know, students are coming on here and contributing. They have their names there and everything. Right. So I was impressed by that. It's one of those things where in, you know, August, September last year when I got here, if I had seen people that are talking about the good experiences that they've had in either mental health treatment or therapy or, you know, it's a huge discipline. A lot of options. I mean, that you offer yoga here, fitness classes. So it's not all tell me about your childhood, right? I think if I had seen that and I think if I had been able to identify with somebody who was experiencing the same great loss that I was, that I would have been called in here earlier.
0: And I think that one piece, you know, yeah, we implement a lot of integrative wellness offerings. And really the purpose of that is that you have these opportunities that occur every day as an opportunity for you to step into self-care. And that's why they're here. The purpose and intention behind them is for you to have that opportunity to implement that care. And I think that it's important that, you know, as we look at the wellness center and recognize the diversity of the programs that are available, where are you in your process now
1: I'm thinking about pretty much just the work that I do with my counselor. It it just reminders, you know, make sure I'm taking care of myself because if I don't put it on the calendar, sometimes it just doesn't get done. So this is one way to do that and go in there, talk about, you know, whatever is bothering me and think about it in the context of my life and facilitate it in an environment that is academically sound, like empirically valid versus, you know, I talk to my friends. It's just I would rather have a practicing psychologist affirm what I'm feeling than like a, I don't know, dude, you should ghost her. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Well, this has been wonderful to have you in. I'm so glad that you stepped in to share your experience and your voice and your perspective. Very glad to have you with us here today. Yeah, thank you. William & Mary students can connect with the William & Mary Counseling Center online at www.wm.edu backslash counseling center or on the William & Mary Wellness app.